Hey guys, your murder girls are back. This is Raina. And I'm Maria as always. Thank you for joining us today. Happy Friday. <laughs> we made it to the weekend. <laughs> we have quite a story for you guys today to kick off this awesome weekend. And it may or may not tie in to a case that we did at the very start of our podcast. So here's a flashback Friday for you guys going back to those Murder Girls podcast episode four, Todd Gibe. This week, we're going to be telling you the story of Tommy Booth. Now, if you guys have listened to episode four covering Todd, you're good to go. And if you haven't, we highly recommend that you guys go back and download that one, listen to it, and then come back to this one. Exactly. So many thought that Todd's mysterious death was tied to a person dubbed the Smiley Face Killer. And today's case of Tommy Booth is another death that has been linked to this smiley face killer (laughs) so there's a lot of similarities between todd and tommy's cases there's actually a group of retired detectives that have taken on investigating this infamous or group or groups they haven't actually confirmed if the smiley face killer is one person or many but they are investigating his victims and they believe that these college-aged men are not in fact drowning but they've been murdered by this killer. What do you think? Do you think it's a group or do you think it's a person? I I think it's a group. I think it's a group too, just because it spans in so many states. Yes. And I think it might be kind of that, you know, where you, you see a killer and you see the mark they leave behind and they're like, oh, I want to do that too. Like, I want to follow in those footsteps. So I think you're right. I think it's a group. So I've been like reading about it and they say that it could be tied to like a drug ring also. Yes. Where if you like fuck someone over mm-hmm. like these are your consequences and, they leave and I think that makes total sense from I like what so. I was reading that kind of that stuck with me I hope the detectives figure it out one day but like we were saying the same thing that they, these murders have in common is there's always a distinctive smiley face left somewhere nearby where the victims bodies are recovered there are 40 men that have drowned in a span of 11 states and these detectives believe that they could all be connected They're handsome, athletic men in their 20s, and they all have seemed to vanish usually after a night out with their friends. And then they end up dead in bodies of water, lakes, rivers, whatever the case. So the manner and cause of death has always been either undetermined or accidental. But as we went over in Todd's case, it would have been impossible for his death to be ruled as undetermined drowning. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Once again, go back and listen to it. <laughs> yeah. This is how these detectives have determined that these cases are connected. So there's many victims tied to this killer. But today, we're going to focus on Tommy's story. And then we're going to give you a few details about some other victims towards the end. So turn it up, sit back and relax. And we're going to dive into Tommy's case and the smiley face killer theory. So Tommy Booth was born on August 18th, 1983. He was 24 years old when he was found, sadly, face down in Ridley Creek behind a bar that he was last seen at. Now, this creek had been searched multiple times in the weeks prior during the investigation into Tommy's whereabouts. So how was this lake searched? And nothing was found. And then two weeks later, Tommy's body is found fully intact and in this body of water. Mm. So let's go back to the night that Tommy went missing. 
on January 19th, 2008, Tommy had been at the Bootleggers Bar, which was located in Woodland, Pennsylvania. He was with a big group of friends celebrating one of his buddy's 21st birthdays. Security footage shows Tommy entering the bar with his friends that night, but there is no footage of Tommy leaving the bar, which is just absolutely bizarre. So bizarre. And none of his friends or witnesses, anybody that was there, ever saw Tommy leave either. So it's like, how did he get out? I feel like that's the million dollar question. <laughs> that was so, stupid. So how did he get out? Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I feel like Rain and I have quite a few million dollar questions regarding this case, but that's a big one. And if we where, could just answer one of them, yes. it would be good. <laughs> At the end, you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah. But yeah, where did you, how did he get out? <laughs> so there was no activity on Tommy's cell phone or any transactions on his bank accounts that the authorities could use to help them locate or confirm that Tommy was in fact okay. Law enforcement and searchers had combed areas all around bootleggers, like I said, the creek where Tommy was ultimately found, and early on, there was absolutely just no sign of him anywhere. In or around the creek, nearby, there was nothing. And to make the search even harder, there was, you know, no footage anywhere. So no one could place a time on when he left or which direction or what happened to him after that birthday party. Police just had this huge job on their hands with zero to go on. Tommy's mom and his stepfather were absolutely devastated to learn that Tommy was missing and they were 100% cooperative during the beginning of the search, joining in immediately just trying to find their dear son. Two weeks after Tommy had gone missing, it's now February 3rd, is when his body was found in Ridley Creek. He was found face down with his wallet still in his pocket, but his cell phone was nowhere to be found. Tommy was in only two feet of water. You can't drown in two feet of water. No. Well, That's not unless your head's being held down. That's true. But not accidentally. <laughs> no. So a couple things that we want to note here is that this creek is all of 30 feet from the bar that Tommy was last seen at. And they didn't see him during all those searches. Because he wasn't there. That, exactly. His coworker had stated that 24 hours before Tommy's body was found, he himself had personally searched that creek up and down. He was there for hours. And he wasn't just like up on the embankment. He went down into that creek all the way around searching. And Tommy wasn't there. So when Tommy was found, his body was in full rigor mortis. Now, what's off about that is that rigor mortis sets in when someone has been dead anywhere from like 24 to 36 hours. So if that's the case, where was Tommy for those two weeks? Like, was he alive? Was he being held hostage and then brought back and dumped in that creek? At the scene, a medical examiner noted that they had found a strange set of footprints and marks on Tommy's body. Directly above his head, there appeared to be shoe impressions, mm. and the marks made it possible to believe that Tommy could have been dragged to this specific site by his feet. Aww. I know, and there were also sticks found that were strategically placed around Tommy's body. An investigator noted that it appeared as if Tommy's body had possibly been staged there in the creek. Agreed. Right? But there was no trauma to Tommy's body when he was found. There was not one single sign of trauma anywhere, actually. So the medical examiner had made the determination then that Tommy's death was, quote, a probable drowning or an accidental drowning. 
depending on the source. Well, that just can't seem plausible, right? Because if Tommy, like Todd, had in fact been in that water for two weeks, his body would have been in way worse shape. Oh, totally. Right, than he was actually found. Rigor mortis wouldn't have remained that way for 14 days. It's impossible, scientifically impossible. Tommy would have been super bloated. His skin would have had massive Mm -hmm. slippage. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And what also doesn't make sense either is how nobody saw him for two weeks laying there. 30 feet away from the bar. Yeah. There's no way. And he just appeared in the creek one day, like face down, like, okay, we decide to look today. There he is. Yeah. No. So also diving more into how Tommy was found and the appearance of his body, it was noted that there was what's called fixed lividity found on Tommy's back. So here's a little science lesson. This is when a bluish purple discoloration of the skin occurs after somebody has passed away the blood of the victim pools to the lowest point of gravity due to the loss of blood circulation so in this case science suggests that tommy had died laying on his back face up and was left in that position for quite some time and lividity doesn't start up until about 8 to 12 hours after death and considering that he was found floating face down in the creek Shit just doesn't add up. He had to be laying on his back at the time of his death or shortly after in order for lividity to occur. So there's just so many questions surrounding this case and where Tommy had been for all this time and what position and where he was at when he passed away. So how do you ask, is Tommy's death possibly connected to the infamous smiley face killer? Well, After Tommy's death, Detective Sergeant Scott Willoughby said that this case had puzzled him from the start, pretty much like all of us. He had been watching a report on ABC News that was covering the smiley face killer. And maybe the coincidences between the cases, whatever it may be, it led him to want to dive a bit more into Tommy's case. He said that he had, quote, a hunch. Well, thank gosh he had that hunch because he requested that his detectives take a closer look into the bar that Tommy was at the night that he went missing. So they head on back down to the bootleggers bar. Now, as they're looking around inside, outside the bar near the creek where Tommy's body was found, guess what they find? What do they find? What do they find? On the wall of the bar, under the party deck area, they find a smiley face graffiti spray painted, literally with a crown on top of its head, smack dab right there on the wall, a mere 30 Mm -mm. feet from where Tommy's body was recovered. Yeah. So all of these cases of these young men's death have some sort of smiley face painted spray painted however it would be there's always a smiley face near the scenes they're not all like identical by any means but there are these drawings and so if it was left there at tommy's scene like is that a coincidence i don't think i don't think so it gives me the chills so with it not plausible that tommy's body was in the water for two weeks or anywhere close to it due to the state that he was found in and that rigor mortis was just beginning to settle in, we think, and so does everybody else looking in this case, that it's safe to say that Tommy did not drown in that creek. Detective Willoughby asked a doctor to take a better look at Tommy's autopsy, and that doctor agreed that Tommy's death was highly suspicious and just totally reeked of foul play. 
much like the Todd Gibes case. Mm -hmm. Both families are sitting here today waiting for answers. They want full investigations into their loved one's deaths. So people that were in communication with Tommy shortly before he had gone missing, which include his best friend, his mother, and his uncle, had expressed that Tommy was afraid of something and that he was even considering moving out of the area. What Tommy was afraid of, they don't know. They don't know if it was someone or something. What his loved ones do believe is that this was no accident. Tommy's mother made contact with Hollywood medium Tyler Henry to talk about her son's death. So I don't know if you guys believe in mediums or not, but during this meeting, Tyler expressed to Tommy's mother that Tommy had communicated with him and that he was not in the water for the entire time that he had gone missing. And Tommy did express to Tyler that he did not experience a lot of pain during his death. That gives me chills. I mean, I'm not like a huge medium. Everyone has their own, you know, outlook on mediums and stuff. But I don't know what I feel about him. If he were to be able to feel that and tell his mom that, I mean, that's more information than she's getting on the case as it is right now. So, yeah, it would just be up to her whether she's going to believe it or not. Well, she probably does believe it if she reached out to him. I guess, right? You know? Yeah. And you guys can actually um, watch that. You can YouTube it and watch the actual interview that they did. But retired police officials Kevin Gannon, Anthony Duarte, and Dr. Lee Gilbertson are leading this investigation into the deaths tied to this smiley face killer or killers. They're attempting to prove that some of these strange accidental deaths are really just far from that, that these are a result of homicide. Now, these cases date as far back as 1997, you guys. There's a special on this smiley face killer on oxygen, and it's called the smiley face killers, the hunt for justice. The connection between these deaths in my mind, personally, as Marie, is just too strange for them not to be connected. I feel the same way. Right? It spans so many states. Yes. Over so many years. That's why I think it's a group. Yeah. And we've read a lot about it. And so... I don't know. Between us, I think that it is connected for sure. Now, we're going to tell you guys in uh, the show on Oxygen, they talk about the death of a man named Dakota James. He himself was a 23-year-old man who was last seen at 11.30 p.m. back in 2017 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He had been out with a group of his friends. They were drinking, hanging out. He was also last seen on surveillance footage walking downtown back home. Now, he never made it home that night, and he was reported missing by his family the following day. Well, his body was recovered 40 days later in the Ohio River, and much like the other bodies, he didn't have any visible damage. So the cops had made the determination that, oh, he was out partying, he was drunk, boom, fell off the bridge while he was walking home and drowned before his body was found 10 miles downstream. Very brave of this killer or this group of killers Mm -hmm. because they're always dropping the bodies in areas that are populated. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're always, these bodies are always found before there's any decomposition due to the body being in the water. Like they're found so quickly. That's crazy. I'm not buying it. And also what we thought was strange, if Dakota had been drunk, and fallen off this bridge, which is the theory they were going with, 
He would have had to walk over four lanes of a highway, crawl over a cement barrier, and then fallen into the river. I can't do that when I'm drunk. I pass out when I'm drunk. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guess what the investigators found near an underpass where Dakota's body was located? A smiley face, spray painted. There we go. Mm-mm. In 2018, new information had come to light via autopsy photos, and this suggested that Dakota may in fact have been strangled, mm. and his family is still searching for the truth of what happened to him. So another case that was covered that could quite possibly be tied is the case of William Hurley. He was a 24-year-old naval veteran who was last seen attending a Boston Bruins hockey game on October 8, 2009. He had called his fiancée Claire to pick him up midway through the game. She agreed, you know, jumping in the car, going to get her fiancée, arrived at their designated meeting location, but William was nowhere to be found. So she calls his cell phone, and when he picked up and answered, she could hear him asking a man for their current location. And this stranger, the man that William was talking to, replied, 99 Nashua Street. William had told Claire that his phone was going to die. And so they hang up and she jams down to 99 Nashua Street. And once again, William is nowhere to be found. So she picks up her phone again, gives him a call. And at this point, his phone is either off or presumably dead Mm -hmm. because he just said his battery was low. So six days after anyone had heard from William, his body was found 25 feet away from the Charles River. And this is near the TD Garden Arena that William was at that night attending the hockey game. So William was found with blunt force trauma to his head, his eye socket, and his left leg. When he was recovered, he had his keys on him and his wallet, which debunked any theory that there was some sort of robbery involved. Initially, police had made the assumption that William was drunk, had walked down to the river, and had fallen in. Though, to contradict that, the toxicology report showed that William had a super low alcohol level in his blood. But he did have GHB, the date rape drug, um, in his system at the time. There is video showing him stumbling, which adds to the suspicion that he was drugged and that the GHB traces found in his system were not the normal natural that are found within everybody. Like the other deaths, his was also classified as an undetermined drowning. But what about all those injuries? You don't just drown and come out looking like you got beat with a freaking bat, you know? Exactly. And mind you, William was found upstream. How is that even possible? You don't float upstream. That does not happen. Yeah. Hopefully that family is able to get this case like reopened and examined because that's just total BS. An investigator had also stated that the injuries found on William could not be consistent with someone falling into a river and that the injuries would not have happened post-mortem. They're convinced that there was, quote, some other human interaction contributing to William's death besides him falling into the river, end quote. Well, guess what was found nearby where his body was pulled from a river? A smiley face. I mean, come on. What it's the connection, so guys? The con- it's got to be. There's no way this is all a coincidence. Uh, William's mother said that the more she hears 
about this smiley face killer or killers theory, the more she kind of agrees with it. So guys, I mean, the question Raina and I have for you is, do you believe in this theory? Do you think that these deaths are not just some sort of coincidence, but that there's someone or someone's behind it? I mean, all these smiley faces left at these scenes. All like, of the scenes, no. It's a group. There's no way. There's no way. I don't know. The more that we read up on this killer and the more deeper, which trust me, this deep theory goes even deeper and deeper. It dates all the way back decades ago, you guys. So I don't know. I mean, I hope one day these retired detectives will piece together this case. I mean, maybe we'll get some answers, right? Yeah. But for now, all we can do is wait and see what happens. But what we can tell you guys is to stay tuned here because we plan to dive a little bit more into this theory down the road for you. And trust me, there are plenty of cases tied to this group. So if you have a specific case that you've read up on with the smiley face killer, like feel free to message us, email, DM us. Like we want to take a look at it as we dive further into this. Yeah. So guys, that was the story of Tommy Booth as well as a few others. If you guys enjoyed today's case, please go over to wherever you're listening to us now and leave us a five-star review. As always, we hope you guys have a safe weekend and we'll be back here next Friday for some new true crime. Bye, Bye guys. guys.